The resurrection of Jesus Christ might be the most important thing that we can talk about as Christians, that we can study, and that we believe. A week ago, we were in this place or worshiping somewhere, and we uh, said together that He is risen, that Christ has come back from the dead, and by doing so, He has defeated sin, He has defeated evil, and He has defeated death, that those things can no longer have power over us if we put our trust and our faith in that risen Savior. If we think about it, without the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we do not believe that Jesus literally got up out of that tomb and walked, so many other parts of our faith would not be true, they would not make sense, or they wouldn't hold up. We'd have a hard time believing them if we did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. We celebrate the resurrection as Easter, but today I want us to take it a step further and really ask ourselves, why is that so important? Why do we call ourselves an Easter people? If you notice, we don't ever call ourselves the Christmas people or the Fourth of July people or anything like that. We call ourselves the Easter people because we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And there's a passage in the book of 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And it sounds like, as we're going to hear it read, that he's almost pleading with them to believe in the resurrection, to not forget what so many had seen and told the story about. So hear these words. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ was not raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your trust in God is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still under condemnation for your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ have perished. And if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we are the most miserable people in the world. How's that for a cheery week after Easter text? (laughs) We're going to get to the second part of that in a moment, but it, it, it's, it, it's like Paul is just trying to remind us that this resurrection is everything to our faith, and if we don't have this sincere belief in it, then everything else falls short. The resurrection is essential to our faith as Christians. We even created a season, a season of Lent, a season of preparation and waiting for this one event to remember the resurrection. Lent began on March 6th this year, and it was 40 days, not counting the Sundays, leading up to Easter. It's a season where we uh, redevote ourselves to our relationship to God, where we commit to practicing spiritual disciplines in a new way or doing it more intensely so we could draw closer to God. And that season of Lent begins with Ash Wednesday, or a time where we came together 
and we wrote down our sins or where we'd fallen short. We came forward and we lit those pieces of paper on fire and dropped them into a bowl and watched them disappear. It reminds us that if we confess our sins to Jesus, that he forgives our sins immediately. We then had ashes put on our foreheads or our hands as a reminder that we're all human. And at some point, we don't know when, all of our lives on this earth will end. And we all have sin and we are all in need of God's forgiveness and God's grace. And then over those 40 days, we, we had a sermon series on the spiritual discipline of prayer, or this unbelievable gift that God gives us so we can communicate with God whenever we want, about whatever we want, for however long we want. We ask questions like, is there a correct way to pray? How many times a day should I pray? What should be in those prayers? We even wrestled with some of the hard questions like, why does God say no to some of our prayers? Why would God say no to Jesus in his prayers? And before we knew it, we had arrived at Palm Sunday, one week before Easter, the day that we remember Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, where the people there were waving their palm branches and laying down their cloaks so that he could process in. And people shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But a few days later, they would be chanting something very different. A few days passed while he was in that holy week that we remember. And on Thursday night, on Monday Thursday or Holy Thursday, he got down on his hands and his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. And then he served them a meal, a meal that we still partake in today called Holy Communion with bread and with wine. But not too long after that, he was then betrayed and arrested after he was done praying by Judas, one of those same disciples. He was put on trial. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was spit on. He was then given a crown of thorns and forced to carry his own cross up the hill to the place of the skull to then be crucified in between two thieves. The world was then dark. The world was quiet, and we waited on that holy Saturday. But come early on Sunday morning, as Mary and the other Mary went to the tomb to care for Jesus' body, they did not find a sealed tomb, but rather that the stone had been rolled away, an angel was there, and Jesus was not. And the angel said, do not fear, for he is risen. He has gone from this place just as he said he would. And from that point, the world has never been the same. Without that one week, without the life of Jesus, without his resurrection, we would not even be here today. It would look very different. We'd be talking about very different things. The resurrection changed everything. We go back to that passage in 1 Corinthians 15. We pick up in verse 20. It says, but the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. He has become the first of a great harvest of those who will be raised to life again. So you see, just as death came to the world through a man named Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, Jesus Christ. 
Everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man, but all who are related to Christ, the other man, will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised first, then when Christ comes back, all his people will be raised. So that passage that we're studying this morning, it concludes by drawing us back to the passages about creation in the book of Genesis, talking about how Adam was the first human created, and then Eve. They were made in the image of God, and the world was perfect. God walked with them in the garden. If you think about it, that's the only time in the history of the human race, the history of our planet, that everything was perfect. There was no pain. There was no suffering. There, were no, there was no sin. It was perfect unity, peace, love, and harmony. All the things we pray for, it happened on this planet before. And we hope that it'll happen again. But we remember that through the fall, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, that sin entered the world and things changed again. And so in the church, we believe this this thing called original sin, or since we're all descendants of the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, unfortunately, we all have sin in our lives which proves that none of us is perfect. We all stand in need of God's forgiveness and God's grace, and we can be assured that we have that because of the resurrection. We're an Easter people because we believe that our sins are forgiven, that because Christ rose from the grave, that one day we will also rise into our future state of perfection the way God intended it to be for us. There's a, uh, one of my favorite TV shows of all time. It's called The West Wing. Maybe you've seen it before. If not, it's on Netflix, and you should go home and start it today. Uh, it is, as you guessed, a story about a group of people who work in the West Wing of the White House and the day-in and day-out chaos that occurs in that building to keep the country running. But in the second season, Josh, who is the deputy chief of staff, uh, he and this entire staff endure a trauma. Uh, And because of that, he did not process it very well or have a chance to heal the way that he needed to. Uh, And because of that, he he started lashing out at his staff. At one point, he even burst out yelling at the president. And everyone around him knew that something was really not well inside of him. And so his boss, Leo McGarry, the chief, the White House chief of staff, pulls him aside and says, I'm going to get you some help. And he says, I don't need help. He says, I'm going to get you some help, the help that you need to heal. There's a lesson in that of itself that we all need someone who's going to get us the help when we need it, even though we don't think we need it. But that's not our story for today. So Josh, uh, at Leo's pushing, uh, gets time to meet with a counselor, meet with a therapist, Uh, And they get to process what he's been through, this trauma, and they figure out what's wrong with him and what's causing it and how he can begin to heal. And then once he's done with uh, his session, he comes back out in the lobby of the White House, and it's set around Christmas time. It's a really busy time of the year, lots going on, and uh, who other is sitting in the lobby waiting for him than his boss, his friend, his mentor, Leo? And they exchange a joke like they always did. And then Josh finally takes a moment to become more serious. He said, what are you still doing here? Why did you wait for me? And Leo looked at him and gave a little smile or a smirk. If you've seen the show, you know what smirk I'm talking about. 
And he says, there's a guy walking down the street. And while he's walking, he falls down into a hole. And it's very dark down there, and the walls are very steep. He can't get out on his own, and he's trapped down there. He doesn't know what to do. And so a little bit of time walks by, or goes by, and then a doctor walks by, and he shouts up. He says, hey, doctor, can you help me? I'm stuck in this hole. I can't get out. Can you help me? The doctor takes out a prescription pad, writes a prescription down, tears it off, throws it down in the hole, and keeps walking by. A few moments later, a priest walks by, and he thinks, oh, good, Father, I'm trapped out in this hole. Can you help me? I'm stuck down here. Priest gets out a pad of paper, writes down a prayer, tears it off, throws it down in the hole, and keeps walking. The man is discouraged. Nobody stopped to help. And then finally, a friend walks by, and he shouts up. He says, hey, Joe, it's me. I'm stuck down in this hole. I can't get out. Can you help me? And Joe jumps down in the hole with him. And he says, what are you doing? Are you crazy now? We're both stuck down in this hole. How are we ever going to get out? And Joe looks at him and says, yeah, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. Take my hand, and I'll lead you. I think that's what the resurrection means for us. You see, left to our own devices, our own desires, our own sin as humans, it's like we have this beautiful shovel, and we just start digging a hole. We think we've got it all figured out. We can make the decisions. I don't need any help. I don't need anything. I can do it. And every time we're just digging a deeper hole, digging a deeper hole, and we finally think we've done everything right, we're all set, and we're going to get someplace, so we jump down in the hole so we can keep digging. And before you know it, we've lost ourselves. We're stuck. Nobody can help us. But as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the one who helps us. Jesus is the one who comes to our aid. Jesus is the one that came down from heaven to earth and became like us. And not only did he come to earth, but then he jumped down in the hole with us. And he's not afraid of the darkness in the hole because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus isn't afraid to grab our hand and get in the mess of our lives because Jesus has defeated all of that mess once and for all when he was dead. Without the resurrection, as Paul says, our faith would be useless. There's a great quote that I want to leave you with this morning by C.S. Lewis that talks about the resurrection, and the band can make their way back up as we close out. It says this, The New Testament writers speak as if Christ's achievement in rising from the dead was the first event of its kind in the whole history of the universe. He is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death, and everything is different because he has done so. Everything is different because he has done so. Let us proclaim that we are an Easter people, a people of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen.